Numbers, um, chapter 6, and we'll begin reading at verse 22. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. Cursings and blessings. I think cursings come very easy to us. James says that both flow out of our mouth without us even thinking about it. But when you really consider it, uh, curses fill the air around us much more than blessings. Some of them are curses with words I can't repeat from the pulpit. Others are curses with sort of polite words, you know. Forget you. Get out of my way. Get out of my life. Go jump in the lake. Drop dead. Get a life. You loser. You know, you've heard these things. Maybe you've even said some of these things. You just want to curse someone's life. This has been a week of anger and protest and destruction all over this country. And you've seen the signs and you've heard the words that the cameras can't bleep out. And a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are curses. It comes very naturally to that, to us. It's, it's, it's easy to curse. Even when people have been gathered to speak out for justice, nevertheless, very easily what overwhelms us is these words of cursing. But how often have you heard someone bless you? How common is that in your life? So, I'd like to have you look at this beautiful blessing in Numbers chapter 6. Here, God commands his people to give a blessing. And I want you to think about, first, what these words mean. Second, I want you to think about who actually is saying them. In other words, who is the one who's actually giving the blessing? And then thirdly, let's think about what that means for us today. So what do these words mean? These words are old, beautiful words about 3,000 years old. In 1979, archaeologists found two silver scrolls that were tiny, just a few inches long, thin silver rolled up. Uh, it was uh, from 600 or more years ago. You have to think about it, the time of Jeremiah the prophet. And on these scrolls, when they finally were able to unscroll them, were Hebrew letters, and in those Hebrew letters was spelled out this blessing. This has been treasured for a long time. Those scrolls, by the way, are interesting. They're the most ancient copy of, of the Bible ever found. It's a very God-centered benediction, isn't it? Benediction means good words. May the Lord, have you noticed that? It's, it's in capitals, L-O-R-D, meaning it's referring to Yahweh. May Yahweh bless you. May Yahweh do these things for you. 
We can, of course, offer encouragements. And when you hear people say good words, they often have no reference to the source of all blessing. So you could hear encouragements like, oh, you can do it. I believe in you. You're going to make it. All your dreams are going to come true, especially during graduation season. We hear a lot of those wonderful encouragements. And by the way, I have to say it's nice to hear them, isn't it? They're good words. They're kind words. They're hopeful words. But true blessings ultimately only comes from the one who rules heaven and earth. And so these blessings are profoundly God-centered. Each line is a bit longer. The, in Hebrew, the first line has three words. Second blessing has five words. The third one has seven words. I, I don't know how it was sung or said. I, I imagine the priests singing that maybe with a kind of a rising crescendo as, as these blessings got bigger and, and stronger. So what, what are they saying? Well, the first one in uh, Numbers chapter 6, it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. So the first blessing is the blessing of the Lord keeping us. It's, it's a, a good and deep word. In fact, it's the word that God used to assign a task to Adam in Genesis 2.15, the same word. He told him to, to cultivate the garden and keep it. And keeping it meant to guard it, of course, but it meant to organize it. It meant to beautify it. It meant to make it flourish, prune it, water it, make everything green as possible. So it's saying here, may the Lord protect you. May he guard you from every pest and illness that could come into your life. May he guard you from every thief that might steal your joy away. May he make your life, well, may, may he make your life beautiful, green and verdant and fruitful. It's beautiful. It's the blessing that can only come from the Lord. And so Psalm 121 also uses the same word. It talks about the Lord being our keeper. And so verse 3 and 4 in Psalm 121 say, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is our keeper. And if the Lord is keeping you, as we sang earlier, who can possibly stand against you? And I have to tell you, when you think about this blessing, that's the blessing I want from er for everyone that I love. It's the blessing I want for you. The second blessing is, uh, may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Or may the light of God's face shine on you. And we know the opposite. We know what a dark countenance is like. You've, you've seen it. You know, it's, it's a scowl, it's anger, it's a, you've seen it on the face of a teacher or a parent at some time, and you say, oh man, I'm just going to stay out of her way. I don't want anything to do with him. We know what a dark countenance is, long, is about. It means something is wrong. But here it's the opposite. It's God's face shining with approval and delight in you. You have to almost think of a, of a mother whose son has been gone for a long time. And the son finally returns and the mother's face is just almost breaking because she's been smiling so much. There's delight and joy and she just wants to do everything she can for her son. What can I do to show my love to you? What blessing can I bring to you? And, and that's what God 
is blessing us with in this one. It's not just God sending some nice words to us in an email or a crackly voice on the phone. You know, this is God himself intimately with you, his eyes looking at you. That's what it means. His face is shining with delight. And then as he looks on you, he overflows with grace. God's grace poured out to those that he delights in. That's the blessing I want for everyone that I love. Then the third one, may the Lord, it says, lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. It means that God now is fixing his eyes on you. In other words, you have his attention. His gaze is on you. His ears are tuned to you. Psalm 4 6 and 7 says, Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Why? For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. If God's eyes are on me, if I have his attention, I dwell in safety. And therefore, there's this blessing, this blessing of peace give you peace. May lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I, I think peace is a very delicate thing. Have you noticed that? You probably experienced this. I know I have. It takes just a small disturbance to take away your peace. I, I, I think we could almost say that there's no peace until there's complete peace. You're lying in bed. So comfortable. You know, you've had a hard day, but now finally, temperature's right, pillows are right, covers are right, it's cool and dark, and you're just about to drift off to sleep. Then you hear a noise. It's an unusual noise. It's nothing you're accustomed to in the house, and all of a sudden your peace is gone. It just happens. All it takes is a little bit to destroy your peace. You may be having a wonderful relationship with everyone in your family and all your friends, but if there's one person that you feel a little, a little nagging doubt about, your peace is gone. It weighs on you. It weighs on you. You're uneasy. A single jagged thought comes into our life and it takes away our peace. It's a regret. Oh, I wish I had done something differently in the past. Everything else could be going well that day or that night as you're trying to sleep and then this regret comes into your life and, and you know these regrets pile up the older you get because there's more and more sins and mistakes from the past that you remember. Or it might be a worry that comes into your, mi- into your mind. You're having a wonderful day, a beautiful day like this and then some worry crowds, crowds in, a fear of other people, maybe a fear of illness, maybe a fear of death, and then there's this intangible sense of dread that begins to hang over you. Peace is very delicate. We know it in our experience. And then if those things can take away our peace, imagine the weight we carry if we don't have peace with our maker, with our creator, God himself. His face turned away. So this blessing is may God turn his face towards you, but imagine living life knowing that God's face is probably turned far away from me. He doesn't listen to me. He has no favor for me in my life. The the truth is, I think many people get used to it. 
they have this weight that they carry and they figure that's just the way life is. They don't know the joy and the blessing of having this weight just lifted off. Of a God who offers peace and who's willing to pay himself pay the cost of making this peace. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. It's God himself showing up to say, I come to make, you, make peace with you and I will pay the cost Wipe out every charge against you so that we can be at peace. And there's people who don't know that. They don't know the love of God and the peace of God in their life. But here is the blessing. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. That's the word. You've heard that word before, haven't you? And shalom is not a negative word. In other words, it's not a lack of conflict. It's not a lack of stress, it's not a lack of dispute, a lack of war, but it's a positive word. It means, may you be sound, may you be whole, may you be strong in body, mind, and soul. Oh man, I I have to tell you, this is the shalom we're praying for our country right now, isn't it? May there be this kind of wholeness from God for our nation. Peace, wholeness, health, prosperity from the inside to the outside, liberty of the soul, vigor, all is well, all is well with me. That's what I want. That's what I want for those that I love. That's what I want for our nation. That's the promise, that's the blessing that comes from God. Well, who gives this blessing then? Lastly, Uh, Or secondly, rather, we talked about what this blessing means. Secondly, uh, who gives this blessing? Well, you look at it. At first, it's obvious, isn't it? This is a command given to Aaron and the priests to follow. Verse 23 says, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, meaning the priesthood, and say, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. And then the words follow. So it's a command given to those who serve the people of God. But let's look a little bit more carefully at who is actually doing the blessing. First of all, notice that it's God who commands the blessing. Isn't that true? Uh, He says in verse 22, tell the priests to do this. Command them to do this. Uh, A blessing comes because God commands it to come through these priests. It's not that the priest came up with it. You know, the priest said, you know what, we're struggling with how to end the service. I I don't just want to say, all right, it's all I got, go home. So maybe I'll say some pretty words. That's not how it happened. This is a command that came from God. And so if they refused to do this, they would actually be contravening the authority of God himself. So who's behind this blessing? Well, obviously God. And then God buttresses his authority by how it closes. Yeah, so God, it's clear, wants to bless his people, is waiting to bless his people, therefore he commands it. But then look how it ends in verse 27. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. So he adds to his command this wonderful promise. He makes it even stronger. Say the words of this blessing. Invoke my name. In other words, tell them that the one standing behind this blessing is not you, Aaron, or your sons, or the generations of priests that follow, but it's me, the Lord their God. And then I will bless them. So, this is the thing to notice. 
God is a God of blessing. Of course, you see it all through the scriptures, but you certainly see it here. You, you look at it in the uh, very first chapter of Genesis. You know, the very first words which God said to humanity were words of blessing. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. God is a God of blessing. It's the first, let's call it the first benediction, and it comes from God. And so when God is incarnate in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see that he's a God of blessing. He, He blessed those who attended to his words. Blessed are you who hear my words and see what you're seeing, he said. He blessed the children when they came to him. At the very end, you see in Luke chapter 24, just before he ascended, he it says he lifted up his hands and, hands and he blessed the disciples. He is a God of benediction. So it is God's blessings. But now we notice something interesting. It's God's blessings flowing through those whom he has appointed. So here it's the priests. But then you see other examples. Moses blessed the people. If you look at the closing chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. What is it? It's just uh, Moses offering blessings tribe after tribe. Wonderful prophetic words of blessing on each tribe. Look at uh, 1 Kings, uh, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 8 at the close of the construction of the temple. Solomon offers, it says, with a great voice he blessed the people of Israel. So priests Bless the people. Political leaders, kings, bless the people. Notice how in the New Testament, the apostles bless the people. You've probably noticed this as you read the letters of the apostles, how often they close with a benediction, with with words of blessing. But, But notice how often the words of blessings that the apostles use echo the words of number six, this profound ancient blessing. Uh, Over and over you see they're praying for God to keep his people, to give grace to his people, to bring peace to his people. Can I just give you a sample? Uh, Here's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May God bring you peace. Ephesians closes like this. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And here's how 1 Thessalonians closes. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And I love these words. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept. Not just somehow your spirit, but it's wholeness, you see. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept by him, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's how 2 Thessalonians closes. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Peter closes his first letter with these words. Peace be to you. All who are in Christ Jesus. And then Jude, that tiny little book tucked in just before the book of Revelation, 
closes with this beautiful benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you. And that's what I want you to notice. All the words that follow are beautiful, but notice, now him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the Lord of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ the Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. To him who is able to keep you. God bless you and keep you. I've missed seeing this in Minneapolis. I know that city and I know that street where all those things are taking place, Lake Street. I I was just wondering how things would change if Christians, if leaders and Christians in, in, in Minneapolis came to those same street, if they stood right on Lake Street, if they joined hands and they started singing songs of the our great God of justice and glory, of grace and compassion and righteousness and holiness. And then they began to pray a blessing on the people who were gathered there and a blessing on their city. Wonder what would happen. Wonder how God would respond to those prayers. And of course, I wonder how that would affect our homes. I wonder how that would affect your home, your marriage, your family, your school, your work, if someone was praying these blessings in those places. So that brings me to my third point. So who is to pray these blessings? What, what does all this say to us? What does this text say to you and me? It seems proper, of course, in light of what I've given, the examples I've given, for church leaders to give a benediction. Almost seems obligatory to do so. It seems proper for pastors to do this because we're following the example of those who in the Bible did this. But how about God's people? How about you? How about all of those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? Should you have a sense of obligation to offer blessings wherever you go? Let me give you three reasons why I think the answer is yes. Why you should be blessing others in the name of God. You, you know these reasons, I think. Let me bring them to mind. First, because you are all priests of God. Not the ironic priesthood, but this is a new priesthood, a royal priesthood. It's mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and then on. It's mentioned three times in the book of Revelation that we are priests of God. That means that we have entry into the presence of God. And we have an obligation to bring the glory of God, the word of God, and the truth of God to the people with whom we interact. We are all priests of God. And so we have the rights and privileges and responsibilities that are outlined for priests. Secondly, we are granted access to the presence of God. God Hebrew says that Christ Jesus has made a way for us right to the very throne of grace, right into the presence of God. That means we can pray. We can pray. And if we can pray, that means we can intercede. We can pray for others. We can pray for God to keep those that we know about, to shower them with his grace and to, oh, give them this profound, deep peace that only he can give. And there's a third reason. It's because Jesus has commanded it. In fact, Jesus didn't just echo the command in Numbers 6 that God gave to Aaron, but he magnified it. He made it much larger. 
Not just bless my people, but bless those who curse you, he said. Bless your enemies, he said. So think how these sweet words of blessing that we read in Numbers 6, life-giving blessings, would transform this world, would transform the strained relationships in your own life, in your family, in your marriage, yeah, in our churches, and, and yes, in our nation itself. Think how rich it would be to be blessed in this way. So let me address you, Christian brothers and sisters. You, you're always saying words in one way or the other. Might be with your mouth, might be through email or texting or Instagram or Facebook or a hundred other ways that you communicate what's in your heart and in your mind to other people. I wonder, do your words and thoughts have embedded in them, saturated in them, these kinds of blessings? When I read social media, including from Christians, I see a lot of, pardon me for saying this, a lot of curses. A lot of dismissing of people who don't agree with them. Saying, drop dead if you belong to this. Don't talk to me. Go get a life. But are the words we say filled with blessing? Are we different? I don't mean sort of woodenly and robotically quoting a text or this text itself, you know, sort of copying and pasting it at the end of your email. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, putting these kinds of blessings in your own words with prayer, thoughtfully crafting words that reflect the kinds of blessings that God enables us to give to other people, that he promises to give to other people if we give them in his holy name. I, of course, don't mean a blessing that's a curse that's disguised. You know, we say, bless his heart, he's a fool. Or we say, God, God bless you so that you see the error of your ways. God bless you so you see how stupid you are that you don't agree with me. I, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, and you know a hundred other examples of, of that. Instead, be God's agent of blessing in their life. Oh God, keep them. Keep them body, soul, and mind from all harm. Now, oh Lord, and if it be your will, for all eternity. May your blessings, may your blessings make their homes and their lives and their marriages flourish, beautiful, verdant. Pray, Lord, let them see the smile of your grace and love. That, that extravagant grace that you offer us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look kindly on their lives. May the, may the light of your face banish the darkness of sin and anxiety and worry and weakness in their life. And pray, Lord, let them see your face, the face of Jesus, filled with delight and promise and hope, grace and truth. Heal them, heal them wholly, inside and out, Lord. That everything that's stretched to the breaking point in their life, ready to snap, that every fear and anxiety that weighs them down be replaced with your perfect peace. What wonderful blessings. How rare these would be. They'd be like diamonds in our world. Because our world is full of cursings. 
You hear it in your own homes. You know that. You hear it from your children, from your parents. You hear it from your friends. You hear it from coworkers. You hear it on TV. You hear it in the news. But be agents of God's blessings. In the name of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. So think of those you don't agree with. I know there's a few. And bless them. Think of those neighbors, friends, even other Christians whose thoughts, whose ideas are contrary to yours. It rankles you to even think that they have these views. Bless them. Bless them. Think of brothers and sisters in the church who scarcely have heard a kind word for these past weeks and months. And bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless them in the name of God. Amen. O oh God of blessing, Lord our Savior, we honor you and praise you and thank you for being with us. And being with us with kindness, approaching us with peace in your hands, offering us grace and love in Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that as we think about these beautiful words of blessing, that they would become precious to us, so precious that we want to share them with others. We pray, Lord, that our friends, our neighbors, would find you to be a solid Savior who keeps us now and for eternity, that they would see how, how extravagant, how lavish your grace is in Christ Jesus, that they would come to see, that, Lord, that there's no one that gives peace as you give. We commit ourselves into your hands through Jesus our Lord. Amen. You may feel threats today. Loss, financially, health, friendships. May God bless you and keep you. Some of you may be feeling uh, as though there's no one who cares about you. You may feel isolated and you may feel alone. May the face of God shine on you and give you grace. Some of you may feel like there's the storms all around you, threatening everything that's precious to you. May you experience the intimacy of God's face turned turned towards you rather and give you his peace through his spirit. Amen.